there. Uh, I sat there this morning, or this after this morning, at Brother Bob's funeral, and I thought, Lord, I'm jealous. I, I'm, I really am. I, I don't want to have to go through the process of dying, but I wish I had been there already. Uh, I'm getting the closer I get, the more anxious I get to be there, and uh, I want to see my Savior. I want to be in heaven and enjoy that time with Him. And uh, we can think about that. Fanny Crosby wrote this song, a lovely, lovely song, great song. And I hope it be an encouragement. Let's sing it together. When my life's work is ended and I cross the swelling tide, when the bright and glorious morning I shall see, I shall know my Redeemer when I reach the other side, and His smile will be the first to welcome me. I shall know Him, I shall know Him, and redeemed by His side I shall stand. I shall know Him, I shall know Him, by the print of the nails in His hand. Oh, the soul-thrilling rapture when I view His blessed face and the luster of His kindly beaming eye. How my full heart will praise Him for the mercy, love, and grace that prepare for me a mansion in the sky. I shall know Him, I shall know Him, and redeemed by His side I shall stand. I shall know Him, I shall know Him, by the print of the nails in His hand. Oh, the dear ones in glory, how they beckon me to come, and our parting at the river I recall. To the sweet vales of Eden they will sing my welcome home, but I long to meet my Savior first of all. I shall know Him, I shall know Him, and redeemed by His side I shall stand. I shall know Him, I shall know Him, by the print of the nails in His hand. Through the gates to the city, in a robe of spotless white, He will lead me where no tears will ever fall. In the glad song of ages I shall mingle with delight, but I long to meet my Savior first of all. I shall know Him, I shall know Him, and redeemed by His side I shall stand. I shall know Him, I shall know Him, by the print of the nails in His hand. And boy, what a great truth in that song, isn't there? I like it. Uh, number 512, number 512. I sing about this one today, another one by Fanny Crosby. I actually was singing this one today, and it just was in my heart. I didn't even know if we had it in our songbooks or not. We don't sing it here very often. But um, I shall see him face to face and tell the story, save my grace. I love this song, too. It's a great song. And uh, we'll sing all four verses. Number 512. Someday the silver cord will break, and I no more as now shall sing. But all oh, the joy when I shall wake within the palace of the king. And I shall see him face to face, and tell the story saved by grace. And I shall see him face to face, and tell the story saved by grace. How many of you have never heard that one before? That's a fairly new one. We haven't done that one. I grew up on it, and I uh, love that song. You know, uh, somebody said one time years ago, the angels uh, don't understand. I, mean, I can't say they don't understand it, but they've never experienced grace. They've, they've not had to. And uh, it's interesting to me that uh, it's a song that a uh, songwriter wrote years ago. <clears throat> it's a song that holy angels cannot sing. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound. And uh, I love it. I, I think it's a wonderful thing uh, that we will get to sing throughout the, the endless ages of eternity. Jonathan and I were talking at supper tonight about eternity and heaven and just and spent almost all of our dinner time <clears throat> on the topic. And, uh, you know, what we're going to do in eternity. 
Uh, can I tell you this? When we begin to understand the depths of God's grace and His mercy and His love, it's going to take all of eternity just to tell Him thank you, just to praise Him for it and thank Him for it. And uh, I'll tell you, it's a great thought. Let's sing that second verse. And uh, now you kind of have the tune there. Just hum along with us if you can. Get the words that you can. Someday my earthly house will fall. I cannot tell how soon will be. But this I know, my all in all, has now a place in heaven for me. And I shall see Him face to face. And tell the story saved by grace. And I shall see Him face to face. And tell the story saved by grace. Someday when fades the golden sun Beneath the rosy tinted west My blessed Lord will say well done and I shall enter into rest, and I shall see him face to face, and tell the story saved by grace, and I shall see him face to face, and tell the story saved by grace. Someday till then I'll watch and wait, my lamp all trimmed and burning bright, that when my Savior opens the gate, my soul to Him may take its flight, and I shall see Him face to face, and tell the story saved by grace, and I shall see Him face to face, and tell the story saved by grace. Amen. I love them. Love the old songs, don't you? There's so much in them. And uh, I don't know about y'all, but I, you know, God gave us the gift of music. And it's used to help encourage our hearts. I believe it's a wonderful tool of worshiping Him. Uh, in your private worship, there's nothing wrong with singing. Uh, there's times I'll be going down the road in a song. I woke up the other night about 3 o'clock in the morning and had a song. And I mean, just in bed, laid there, started singing it. And uh, it was such a joy to me and such a thought. And, uh, you know, God gave us music, I think, to help prepare our hearts and to encourage our hearts and uplift our hearts. And uh, it certainly enables us to uh, have a great worship for Him. And, uh, boy, what a great God we have. All right, let's take time to go to the Lord in prayer tonight. I know we've got a number of prayer requests. We've already mentioned the family, Brother Bob Schwabert. Continue to pray for our shut-ins, Brother Ron Beckett and Miss Jean Whitener, also Jess and Sarah Harris and Brother Everett Scheffler. Uh, Miss June Boland, who's still going through uh, chemo treatments, and so continue to pray for her. Uh, Brother Ron told me that, uh, I guess, last not this past Sunday, but the one before, she had wanted to come to church, and he, he told her she probably shouldn't because of her immunity, and she said okay. And for her to say okay and not come to church when she wants to, uh, she was pretty worn down by the chemo. And, and certainly, she's, she, those of you that know her know she doesn't, when she puts her mind to being at church, she's going to be here. And uh, for, for that to be so easily changed, uh, she certainly has been going through a lot. She doesn't say a lot about it, but uh, keep her in prayer, if you will, uh, during this time. Uh, for the chemo treatments. And um, continue, if you will, to pray for uh, the two pastor friends of mine, Brother Constantino Vicente. got a great report this week. They've moved him into a regular room. He's not even on the COVID floor anymore. And we thank the Lord for that. He still has a trach in, so he's not able to uh, speak, but he can nod his head in response, and he's been communicating with his family. And uh, he's very, very weak, they said, so he, he has a hard time even riding. He's, he's so weak from the COVID, um, and so as they said, it frustrates him because he tries to communicate with head nods, um, and he wants to write stuff, but he's just too tired. His hand won't get up there and write very much, but um, uh, good good news and good report, uh, just God's grace. And, uh, God sure is good, isn't he? You know, there's times that he chooses not to heal on this side of heaven, and there's times that he chooses to do it and uh, not to do it. And that's for him to decide. That's not for us to decide. 
But can I tell you this? Whether God chooses to heal this side of heaven or the other side of heaven, He's always good. He's always good. And He's always glorified in what He does. And, uh, boy, what, a, what an answer to prayer, though. And we thank Him so much for it. The family is very grateful for many folks who have been praying. I let them know that our church has been praying for them. And uh, they are so grateful for that. So, uh, Also, Brother Steve Robertson, the other pastor that I've been praying for, and I don't have an update on him. I'll try to get one this week. But I uh, want to encourage you to continue to pray for both these fellows as they recover. Both of them have, at, at best, lengthy recovery times. And so uh, please be in prayer for them. All right. Also, my brother had, uh, I hate to call it minor surgery, but uh, had oral surgery today on some bones, uh, some, some roots that they feel like have gone up into his sinuses. And so uh, they're going to have to be doing some work there and continuing to work. He's in a lot of pain tonight. And so if you would keep him in prayer that God will give some grace and relief there in, uh, in that pain. All right? Okay, anything else? And his name is Rich, by the way, in case you didn't know uh, my brother's name. Okay, all right, Miss Kim? Well, you missed it Sunday. Corey preached for us in the afternoon service and did a great job. He did a fantastic job preaching for us. And uh, absolutely. Amen.
Amen. I remember back when I was a teenager, um, there was a big movement come out because uh, soul winning was a big thing. Going door to door, knocking on doors was a big thing at that time. And a uh, movement came out of, called lifestyle evangelism. A lot of people began to teach and preach about lifestyle evangelism, how that we don't need to be knocking on doors and telling people, confronting them with their soul's eternity and how we need to just be living the life and draw by our life. We'll draw people to the Lord. There were books written. There were a lot of people preaching about it and against it. And we became so against it because we believed in, in confrontational souling and, and, and dealing with people's. We became so against it that we kind of threw the, the baby out with the bathwater, so to speak, and got to the place where uh, our movement, if we're not careful, will not worry at all about living a life. I was at the funeral this afternoon or this morning, and Brother Andy Casey made the statement. He said, you know, uh, your life is the only gospel that some people will ever read. And yes, we need to be confrontational in, in telling people about the Lord Jesus Christ, but uh, the truth is we're not going to be able to tell everybody. Some people are just going to see us, and they're going to see our life by example. And that's why it's so important that we live a life that uh, the outside of the cup be clean too. We talk a lot about the heart and the inside of the cup here because we in our church, we believe that that's the important part. That's the most important of the of the, the, the two. And that that's really where God's emphasis is. And that if the heart is right, the outside will begin to take care of itself. But that doesn't mean that we neglect the outside of the cup either, that we neglect the outside, the outer condition. Uh, man does look on the outward appearance. And we have a testimony to keep. We have people to point to the Lord Jesus Christ. And when we tell them about our Savior there, there better be something different, peculiar about us that they look at and say, I want what they've got. Uh, and so I don't know that you can take the one away from the other. Uh, it's, it's almost like they put us to a choice in the 80s and 90s and, and early 2000s between either lifestyle evangelism or confrontational evangelism. Can I tell you, they got to both happen. Uh, they're needed uh, both together. And so um, 
I understand that that concept, uh, and and certainly Miss um, Kim will be praying not only just for you but all of us. Uh, I think our all all of our hearts' desire is to be emptied of self and let God fill us and and uh, literally control our lives day by day, moment by moment, and uh, that He has full and absolute control of us. And uh, it would be amazing, I think, to see what God could do. I really, I, we live in a day that. We are so susceptible to the distractions of this world, being consumed by the things of this world. Uh, we are prone to it. The old nature, uh, that is its nature, to uh, be attracted to those things, to set our affection on those things. And if we're not careful, uh, we'll push the Holy Spirit completely out. Uh, I know He indwells us, but uh, John wrote in Revelation uh, to the church at Laodicea, I mean, he's writing to the church. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. And that tells me that that church had pushed the Holy Spirit out of their their midst. And uh, so it is possible, and we need to make sure that we uh, we all pray. I, I hope we pray one for another for that, uh, and then for uh, that God would do it in our hearts. So good prayer request today, and, and we'll keep that in prayer as well. I understand that burden. So, all right, anything else? Yes, sir. Okay. Okay. All right. Right. I see. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. Anyone else? Miss Sandy? Amen. Brother Richard is who she was talking about there, and also Brother Ron. If you didn't hear, I didn't know if you everybody heard that. So Brother Richard Anderson and Ron Beckett. So all right, anything else? Yes, ma'am. Okay. Amen. Uh. <laughs> and we're glad you did. We're glad you did. <laughs> sure. All right. Sure. Yeah. Right, right, absolutely. All right, Brother Kenny. Amen. Amen. Yeah. 
Amen. Amen. It'll be amazing to see what God can do in the days ahead with uh, hearts and minds that way. And uh, we need to pray for that, pray for one another in that area. So, very good. He can, absolutely. Amen. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Sure. Yeah. Sure. And, and some of those were when we talked a few months ago. Our our gifts that were given strictly to the apostles themselves. Um, but the power of God resting on us for service certainly is available to every single one of us. And uh, we thank the Lord for that. But absolutely, I, we need to be praying for our church and for one another. Uh, I think, I believe personally, we're living uh, just seconds away in an eternity sense from the coming of the Lord. And if that's the case, we ought to be looking up with hope and excitement and joy, not with fear and anxiety at the coming of the Lord. But secondly, if we're ever going to do anything for God, uh, we need to get on with it. Uh, we got things to do. we got people to reach. And we just need to keep going. Yes, sir. Yeah. Yeah. I know exactly what you mean. Yeah. No. There's a detachment. Right. Yeah. Yeah. God, God's, yeah. God's kind of preparing that separation there, yeah. And it may be another hundred or thousand years. It could, but you're right. And I've noticed that. Uh, I've had two or three other people mention something similar. They're not exactly in those words, but very similar. That that the, uh, I had a fellow from Florida call me the other day, and he, a week and a half ago, about ten days ago. And he said, Brother Greg, I'm, I'm just through with this world. He said, I'm done with it. And I thought... Brother, you hit the nail on the head. I've been feeling the same way. And I'll tell you what, uh, it's exciting times. It's convicting times. And as Christians, we ought to both be excited and convicted because we've got so much work yet to do. There's so many people that need to be reached, but certainly excited. And uh, uh, this world is not our home. And the closer we get to uh, what we think is the time that Christ will come back, uh, we're convinced of it in our lifetime most of us, and uh, the closer we get to that, the more detached from the world we become. And uh, we don't, the, the things, you know, the Bible says, turn your eyes upon Jesus, or the song I wrote, turn your eyes upon Jesus, look full in his wonderful face, and the things of earth will grow strangely dim. And I do believe that. I believe the more that we put our eyes upon the Lord Jesus Christ, the closer we draw to him, the less this world has a draw on us. And, and I think Paul was that way. Um, when he talked about all of the things, you know, he said, if any man's got a right to glory, I'm more. He said, let, let me tell you, and he ran down a list of things in his life. And you, In that day and age, if you had been listening, this was a, a fellow who had been born with a golden spoon and a silver spoon in his mouth. You know, he, uh, he had everything going for him. Uh, he was a Hebrew of the Hebrews. He had the best teachers. Apparently his family was had some sort of wealth because they were also Roman citizens. And 
Um, there was there was just so many things that Paul had that he said I could count I could count them as as something that was really substantive. And you know what he said as he got closer and closer to the Lord Jesus Christ and further in his ministry, he said, I count them but dung. He said, I count them but loss. And he said, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection, the fellowship of his suffering. And oh, what a, what a thought that the closer we draw to Christ, the less the things of this world have a hold on us. And uh, I'll tell you, it's exciting. It is exciting. Uh, and I hope we keep getting just closer and closer and closer to the Lord and further and further and further from the world. I, I really hope that that is the direction we end up going. So, well, good. I'll tell you what, the prayer time has been a good preaching time tonight, hasn't it? We've had four, good, four or five good messages in there. And uh, thank the Lord for it. You know, when the Bible talks about the, the Christians in the early church being in the upper room together in one accord... And in prayer, I think this is the type of thing they were doing. They were praying for one another. They were sharing with one another. They were burdened for one another. And uh, I think that certainly is such a, a healthy thing and a, and a beneficial thing for us. So, well, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Anybody else got one before we go? I, I didn't know if anybody else had anything. I don't think so. Is that about it? All right, let's go ahead and pray. Father, we are so thankful tonight that we can come to you in prayer. We are excited as we see uh, what appears to be the day approaching. Lord, it, it, may, it may be a long time off yet, but Lord, we sure pray and hope that it's soon. And where our hearts rejoice in it. We pray that you would help us to be more uh, involved, our eyes and our hearts more upon you and less upon this world. Lord, I pray that you would help us to lift up our eyes in these last days and to look out onto the fields. Lord, they are certainly, they are certainly white unto harvest. Lord, so many people that need to hear the gospel. And uh, I pray that you'd help us to uh, be emptied. Lord, numbers of folks here I think have the same desire in their hearts to be emptied of ourselves and to be filled with the leading of your Holy Spirit. Lord, what a... What a place for a church to be at where numbers of people in it long and desire and yearn for their emptiness and for your filling. We pray that you'll bless it, Lord, use it. And Lord, I pray that you would help us to uh, do all that we can uh, to serve you and to be steadfast and faithful in these final days and that you will empower us and that you will strengthen us. And, uh, Lord, may we see fruit for our labor, that we would see people coming to know you as Savior. Lord, just in the last month or so to hear of two or three uh, times that folks have been able to share the gospel. Lord, what a wonderful joy it was to hear the other day uh, as Miss Kim was telling us, and Kimmy was telling us about her brother-in-law trusting you as his Savior. And, uh, Father, we pray that you would continue to use each and every one of us Bring people across our paths that need to hear. And then, Father, may we be bold to witness. May we be able to talk well and, and uh, clearly and concisely to share the gospel with them. Bless the time that we spend here together tonight. Lord, already it's been sweet. The songs, the time of fellowship, the time sharing with one another and praying together. Lord, we pray that you would help to encourage and strengthen our hearts. May we leave here tonight saying it's been good to have been here. And, uh, Father, for those, again, that are not able to be here tonight, we pray that you would uh, uplift their spirits and encourage them, strengthen them, and may we all be back together again, Lord willing, this Sunday. And we ask now that you would bless the remainder of the time that we spend here together tonight. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right. Let's take our Bibles, if you will. Turn to Acts chapter 20. I'll share just a brief thought with you. It's about 13, 14 minutes till. And... Uh, I figured if Corey could preach till two o'clock Sunday, I can preach till at least nine. So uh, I'll tell you, I, and I don't mean to build him up, and I, I'm not trying to embarrass him, but I, that was a blessing Sunday. And Corey, I appreciate publicly. I wanted to say I appreciate you doing that and uh, God using that to encourage our hearts. And uh, certainly was a, a joy to hear that. Acts chapter number twenty, and uh, we're going to begin reading. Let's back up to. Verse number 13, the Apostle Paul is nearing the end of his ministry. He's on his third missionary journey. He's spent some time 
uh, going through Macedonia and encouraging and, and uh, kind of checking on the churches. Uh, several of the churches uh, had heard of the need, the desperate need in Jerusalem, uh, in the church in Jerusalem. They were uh, under great persecution. There was a lot of uh, disowning of families and people losing jobs and uh, things that uh, took place because of their profession of Christ. And uh, they took uh, offerings and sent them by way of the Apostle Paul to the church at Jerusalem. We'll begin reading in verse number 13. And we went before the ship and sailed also to Asos, there intending to take in Paul, for so he had appointed, minding himself to go afoot. And when he met with us at Asos, we took him in and came to uh, Mytilene, and we sailed thence and came the next day over against Chios, and the next day we arrived at Samos and tarried at uh, 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 Trogilium. And the next day we came to Miletus, for Paul had determined to sail by Ephesus, because he would not spend the time in Asia, for he hasted, if it were possible for him, to be at Jerusalem the day of Pentecost. And from Miletus he sent to Ephesus and called the elders of the church. And when they were come to him, he said unto them, Ye know from the first day that I came into Asia, after what manner I have been with you at all seasons." serving the Lord with all humility of mind and with many tears and temptations which befell me by the lying in wait of the Jews, and how I kept back nothing that was profitable unto you, but have showed you and have taught you publicly and from house to house, testifying both to the Jews and also to the Greeks, repentance toward God and faith toward our Lord Jesus Christ, And now, behold, I go bound in the Spirit unto Jerusalem, not knowing the things which shall befall me there, save that the Holy Ghost witnesseth in every city, saying that bonds and afflictions abide me. But none of these things move me, neither count I my life dear unto myself, so that I might finish my course with joy and the ministry which I have received of the Lord Jesus to testify the gospel of the grace of God. And now, behold, I know that ye all, among whom I have gone preaching the kingdom of God, shall see my face no more. I want to speak to you a minute tonight on things that will uh, keep us from being steadfast. Things that would keep us, or we could call it the enemies of being steadfast. We're living in these last days, and the truth of the matter is there could very easily come a time before the return of the Lord Jesus Christ, that you and I may suffer some persecution. Up until now, anything that we look at that has been contrary to us worshiping or meeting together uh, are simply inconveniences. There still has not been uh, uh, persecution to the level of certainly the New Testament church. And down through the years, many many of the folks that uh, were persecuted by physical uh, means and uh, certainly uh, were given difficult times in serving the Lord and staying faithful to Him. And oftentimes I have thought in my heart and in my life, Lord, I think I would be willing to die for you. I, I came across something years ago, and a, a fellow had mentioned this thought. He said, if we're not willing to live for him now, then we certainly will not be willing to die for him later. God has not asked us in the time that we've lived so far to shed our blood for, uh, for the faith of the gospel. He certainly has not caused us to be persecuted to the level that the Apostle Paul had been persecuted. But there are some things here I think that Paul speaks about regarding being steadfast that I think are very important to us. Look with me, if you will, in, uh, as we look at the uh, condition that he, he's suffering. Uh, he finds himself in bonds and afflictions. And notice he says in verse number, um, uh, verse number 23, he says, Save that the Holy Ghost witnesseth in every city, saying that bonds and afflictions abide me. And can I tell you this? Paul saw that there was going to be a rough road ahead. The Holy Spirit had given him insight into this and had made it well known. In fact, he spoke of the fact in verse number 19. He says, Serving the Lord with all humility of mind and with many tears and temptations which befell me by the lying and weight of the Jews. Paul was no, no uh, stranger to persecution. And it is interesting to know, I've never thought of this as Paul being someone who wept over his persecutions. But certainly he was a man just like you and I are. 
and uh, these, these afflictions that he had to go through. Uh, he wasn't some uh, supernatural being that was able to sustain himself through them. He had the same infirmities in his body that you and I have. And when these persecutions came, the tears flowed. When these persecutions came, the pain was there. The hurt was there. The heartache was there. The, the, the temptation to give up and to quit was there, just like it would be in anybody's mind. And yet I want you to notice that Paul tells us in verse number, uh, verse number 22, he says, And now, behold, I go bound in the Spirit unto Jerusalem, not knowing the things that shall befall me there. And it's interesting to me that Paul didn't really know what was coming, but he knew that the Holy Spirit was going to do a work wherever he was at. That, that's, that's, you know, we talked a little bit tonight, people saying, I want to be emptied. I want the Holy Spirit to fill me. It, it ought be that way, that wherever we go, the Holy Spirit of God can do a work. That, that no matter where it is that we are, that God can work. Now, I'm thankful that there are times that God works in spite of us, aren't you? But oh, how much better it would be if God could work because of us. If God would be able to say, there's a vessel that is yielded to me and able to be used. And to be able to be steadfast in this. Paul was not shaken by fear of the, the unknown that was lying ahead of him. But I do want you to notice a couple of the things that he speaks about here that I think are lessons to us on what to be careful of, what we've got to be so on guard about regarding this thing of being steadfast and being faithful. He makes the statement that none of these things, look with me if you will in verse number 24. After he talks about the bondage, the affliction, the threatening of his life even, he makes this statement, but none of these things move me. Can I tell you this? Our, our, our form of Christianity, what we believe in, what we hold to, we need a good healthy dose of this. I shall not be moved. None of these things are going to cause me to give up. None of these things are going to cause me to, to deviate or get away from what I believe to be right and what I believe to be true. And we are living in a day where it is imperative for God's people to anchor themselves to the doctrine of God's Word and be unmovable in them and steadfast in them and to anchor themselves to them and say, Thus saith the Lord. It's not thus saith the Baptist. That's not thus saith our pastor. It's not thus saith this church. It's thus saith the Lord. And can I tell you this? We need to get back to that. There are churches so-called all over the country tonight that will preach everything except the Word of God. And my heart hurts and my heart aches, especially as we get to these last days. And I've had such a burden in the last year of my life that we get back to the Bible, that we get back to the doctrine of God's Word, and we say, listen, our world needs to know these things. I'm going to be steadfast in them. I'm not going to be moved by things. If difficulties arise, I want to be steadfast. I hope that I will. I, if persecution comes, I want to be steadfast, and I hope that I will. The truth of the matter is, none of us knows if we will until the time comes. I'm thankful that the Bible teaches us and gives us illustration of Daniel, who the Bible said, purposed in his heart. And when he knew the decree of the king later on uh, under a different king, uh, and they were getting ready to uh, catch him and throw him into the lion's den, he knew the decree of the king. And the Bible says that he still went to his window. He wasn't even trying to hide it. And he knelt three times a day to give thanks to his God and to pray and to worship God. Can I tell you this? This is not a fellow who woke up that morning and decided, I think I'll serve God today. This is a man who had a habit of being steadfast. And unmovable. Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse number 58 uh, that we are to be steadfast, unmovable, and always abounding in the work of the Lord. For as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. We need to be laboring in these last days and being steadfast in the doctrine of God's Word. Rightly dividing His Word. And folks, I cannot impress upon you enough that we get back to studying Scripture and rightly dividing Scripture. It's so important in these days because we, we tend to, to take uh, our philosophies and we tend to take our beliefs and then we come to Scripture and try to find verses to back them up. Can I tell you that's the wrong direction? We need to come to the Bible with an empty page upon our hearts and we need to say, Lord, I want you to take the things from your Word and write them upon my heart. I want the Bible to teach me, not me teach the Bible so important that we have these things in the last day that we be steadfast. 
Look with me, if you will, in verse number 19. I like what Paul says here. He says, serving the Lord with all humility of mind and with many tears and, and, and with many tears and temptations, which befell me by the lying in wait of the Jews. Can I tell you the first enemy of being steadfast is that we've got to be careful not to let people move us. There are two types of people that will try to move us from the steadfastness in God's Word. The first one is the carnal Christian. The one that is out there that is, is anti-God or even the natural man who does not know God. The man who is carnal, who does not uh, hold to these things. And by the way, we see it all the time, don't we? We've seen Christians that in the last year that say, I believe God's Word, but I'm going to vote for somebody who's against God's Word. Can I tell you this? That is somebody who is not steadfast on the things of the Lord. And I'm not trying to be political here. I'm trying to be biblical here. As God's people, we either believe it or we don't. We either hold to it or we don't. And we, we can, if we're not careful, we will allow people to sway us from what the Bible says. There will be carnality that will creep in and cause us to be ridiculed and persecuted. Paul had some Jews that came after him. And, and can I tell you this? Uh, they, 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 they were uh, mean to him. They caused him to have, uh, the Bible says here, tears and temptations. They were violent towards him. They sought his life. And yet Paul says, I'm not going to depart from that. He said in verse number uh, uh, 24, but none of these things shall move me. The, the Jews can come at me if they want. I'm not going to be moved. The carnal folks of this world can try to ridicule us for what we hold to and what we stand on. We are not going to be moved. We cannot let people sway us. There's also another group of people that can sway us if we're not careful. And that is the hyper-pharisaical Christians. Those that get to the point where they feel like you are not all that, that you should be. They look down their noses at you. They say, well, you aren't able to do all of the things. You, you, you're not the kind of Christian you ought to be. So you might as well just sit down and be quiet. You, you're not part of our group because you're not like us. Can I tell you this? Don't let that stop you from serving God. I, I was in a place here a few years ago and uh, at, a, at a meeting of preachers. And, and I was there to try to be a help and blessing. I, there was, I was trying to, this was before I was pastoring and uh, my heart's desire was to help small struggling churches and pastors that were quitting and leaving the ministry. And I thought, boy, if somebody could just come in and encourage that church or encourage that pastor and keep him there. And I went to a meeting a number of years ago and, and was just there to try to, to try to be around the pastors and try to encourage them and help them. And, and the fellow that was moderating the meeting came and he, he, he uh, knew that I was coming to the meeting and he went around to all the preachers in that meeting and he said, whatever you do, don't call on this fellow to pray publicly because he's been divorced. And I'm going to tell you something. I could have easily said, you know what, then fine, if I'm not welcome here, I'll leave. But you know, I stayed for that meeting and there was two or three preachers I was able to be a help to and a blessing to while I was there. And I, I hate to use personal illustrations like that, but how often do we let people who are, are they think they're above us spiritually or they think that they're more, uh, uh, they're higher than we are in the spiritual aspect, and they say, well, you, you're not qualified, you just can't do it. You don't know the Bible the way that I do, so, so you just sit right there, you can't serve the Lord. Folks, be steadfast. Be steadfast. Every person in this room, and I'm talking from Corey to, uh, to Brianna, uh, Shaley, uh, uh, Blair, uh, all of you, Jonathan, I don't care how young you are, Brother Kevin, Brother uh, Miss Kim, Brother Harold, I don't care, Brother Kenny, I don't care how old you are. Don't let somebody come and tell you you can't serve God. You take the Bible, you study it, you learn it, and go out and find somebody to be a blessing to. Find somebody to share the gospel with. Be steadfast. Don't let people sway you. These Jews came. We're God's chosen people, Paul. You're out here taking the gospel to the Gentiles of all people. They ridiculed him. Hyper-pharisaical. Paul says, none of these things move me. It's not going to move me. The second thing that will be an enemy of being steadfast are problems. Problems. How often do we let small things distract us? 
You know, Paul had, the Bible says, a messenger of Satan, a thorn in the flesh, that was sent to buffet him. He asked God three times to take them away. God says, my grace is sufficient for you. And Paul ends his ministry at the end of his third missionary journey, just getting ready to go to Jerusalem and shortly after to Rome. And there he'll be able to witness before some of the great, great leaders of Rome. And then he's going to be killed for the gospel's sake. And Paul says out of all this, I've had thorns in the flesh. I've had problems come my way. I've had people stone me. I've had people kick me out of the cities. I've had people do all kinds of things. But I'm not going to be moved. I was doing some reading a couple months ago on a survey of, of what we would consider to be independent Bible-believing Baptist churches. And a full survey of those types of churches had never been done to this level before. And I was reading one of the surveys, and they found that it only usually takes five people on average in a church to give the pastor a hard time to cause him to leave. Five people. Five people that get upset at the pastor and don't think he's doing what he should be doing and, and, and they don't think that he's doing it the way they want to see things done and the pastor quits. You say, well, yeah, boy, Brother Greg, that's terrible. What does it take for you to quit? Well, Brother Greg, you just don't know. That person hurt my feelings. I don't know that I'll be back to church. One, two, how many does it take to get us to not be steadfast? Finances become a problem. Relationships, family relationships, friend relationships become problems. And we let it keep us. Health, maybe, becomes problems. We use those as crutches and excuses why we cannot be steadfast any longer. Oh, that we would be steadfast. Paul said in verse number 24, But none of these things, none of these things move me. Neither, notice this, count I my life dear. If it costs me my life, I'm not going to be moved. And then, don't let pride, don't let pride keep us from being steadfast. We get serving the Lord. I was telling somebody this the other day. I am so ashamed in my life that when some things happened, and, and I mean some valleys, some dark valleys came into my life, I remember sitting in my house one night and telling God, God, after all I have done for you, and this is what I get, I'm thankful God is a gracious God. If I had been God, I'd have been through with me right then. Because I'll tell you right now, that was pride. Oh God, I've done so much for you. <laughs> the arrogance of that thought. Lord, I've sacrificed. I've, I've served for, for 15, 20, 30 years. And this is what I get in return. I know preachers that quit the ministry over that. I know church members that quit church over that and won't go back to church. I know people that have quit reading their Bibles and quit praying over something like that. And can I tell you this tonight? I know that position. I know that place. I was there. But we've got to be steadfast. We've got to hold on. We've got to continue. We've got to say, you know, I don't care what the problems are. I'm going to serve the Lord. I don't serve Him because of what He does for me. And that was my problem. I deserve better, Lord. That was my thought. I didn't say it in those many words, but that's what I was saying. Lord, I deserve more. That's pride. Pride will keep us from being steadfast. We'll become unteachable. Lord, I, I don't need to learn anymore. I, I'm, I'm, I'm good. And we stop growing. We stop thriving. We can let pride, if we're not careful, create a problem with being steadfast. 
And I want you to give the last one here. Make sure that what we're being steadfast in is right. Make sure that what we're being steadfast in is right. Consider the source. There's something that in this passage, Paul, because of how he has been throughout his ministry, has it ingrained in him. Persecution comes, I shall not be moved. Ridicule comes, I shall not be moved. Opposition comes, I shall not be moved. But you know, there's something that's, that's wrong with this story here in Acts chapter number 2 that many times we cross over we don't see. Notice with me, if you look at verse number 22, Paul says this, And now behold, what are the next two words? What? I go. You know how many times in Paul's ministry he says the Holy Spirit constrained me or the Holy Spirit led me? And here Paul says, I go. Bound in the... Look at the next word here. Little s, isn't it? I, I've done some reading on that. There's good men that have differing thoughts on this. Some believe that they that is referring to the Holy Spirit leading him. I don't believe it is. And again, comparing Scripture with Scripture, I believe there's reason for that. I believe this was just Paul's decision. Paul said, you know what? And, and by the way, it's pride. Nobody else can do this. I've got to do it. The churches have entrusted me with the offerings that they have taken to take to the church at Jerusalem. And I better fill it, I fulfill that. You say, Brother Greg, why do you think that he's doing this on his own and not being led by the Holy Spirit of God? Look with me, if you will, the very next chapter, verse number 21, or chapter 21. And it came to pass, after we were gotten from them and had launched, we came with a straight course unto Coas. And the day following to Rhodes and from there Patera, and finding a ship sailing over to Phoenicia, we went aboard and set forth. Now when we had discovered Cyprus, we left it on the left hand and sailed into Syria, landed at Tyre, for there the ship was able, or it was to unlaid her burden. And finding disciples, notice this, we tarried there seven days, who said to Paul through the, what's the next word here? Capital S, Spirit. These disciples said to Paul, these disciples were speaking as they were led by the Holy Spirit to do so, that he should what? Not go to Jerusalem. Yet Paul says, I'm bound in the Spirit. And I tell you this, we sometimes get it in our hearts and our minds that something is to be done, something is to be right. And we hold to it steadfastly. That's commendable. But can I tell you this? If we are to be steadfast, one of the biggest enemies of being steadfast is having the wrong source for our goal. Sometimes it becomes our will that we're being steadfast in. Sometimes it becomes our desire that we become steadfast in. Can I encourage you in this? When it comes to our steadfastness, can we make certain, absolute certain, that this is of the Lord? It's not my will, but thy will. Oh, that we could learn these things. My heart's desire is that we are steadfast. My heart's desire is, boy, when those times come, I want to, I want to be able to hear the words from my Savior, well done. I don't want to hear wicked and slothful servant. I want to be steadfast. But if we're not careful, no matter how sincere and how well-intentioned we are, no matter how much we purpose in our hearts and grit our, grit our teeth and bear down to be steadfast, we found tonight four enemies that will cause us to not be steadfast the way that we should. We allow people to move us. We allow problems. We allow our pride. And if we're not careful, we'll be steadfast in the wrong thing. 
I want to encourage us in this. Our, our heart's desire, I, I really believe this, is to move forward for the Lord. To see our lives grow. And I hope we grow together. I hope I grow as your pastor. I hope you grow as church members. I hope we grow together. That we see God do amazing things in our hearts. We pray for one another. Encourage one another. And then get out here and serve shoulder to shoulder. But let's be steadfast in it. Okay? Let's pray together. Father, we're so thankful for your word. I pray that you'll bless it and use it tonight. Lord, some folks have braved the weather and the cold to be here. And Lord, I pray that it will be worth it to their hearts and to their minds. We leave here tonight saying, Lord, it's been good to be here. Those that have tuned in by way of live stream, Lord, I know it's different watching it from home, but I pray that the heart and the thrust of the message will have come across, that your Holy Spirit will have worked in their hearts the way that you've worked in mine and the hearts of folks here. Help us as we leave this place not to soon forget the truth of this passage that we would meditate upon as we go to our beds tonight and throughout the day tomorrow, that we will be inclined to it and apply our hearts to it throughout this week and the rest of this time that we have here on this earth, to be steadfast, Lord, to be on guard, to be cautious, to be watchful for these enemies that can so easily distract us and cause us to go by the wayside. May we be steadfast, Lord, use us, we pray. May we glorify you in all that we say and all that we do. Give us safety as we travel, we pray, back to our homes. In Jesus' name, amen.